Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Lucas and Vincent were not in the mainstream of gay life. I was saving body parts such as uh, skulls. Doesn't it bother you that he's a fag? You have done me a great service. Now I must service you. And the drugs were, were always a, a cry for attention, for somebody to pay attention to me before I, you know, kill somebody. <laughs> You can imagine what it smells like if you go into a closed room. Something is trying to get inside my body. Yeah, she's female and she's waiting for you in the cabana. And you want to sleep with me. Buckle up, Sodomites, and welcome to the Sinister Sissies podcast, your guide to true crime, horror, and everything man-on-man and macabre. I'm Jared, your master of depravity, sitting next to you for season three. It's all very exciting. My filthy little slave, Sam Hamilton. Welcome back. Hello. Am I a veteran now, master? You are. You've done a full year. I have. It's it's like my anniversary. It feels longer than a year. Where's my gifts? Do I get like set free tonight or? You don't get beaten after this. All right. (laughs) What if I want to though? Well, you know, it's your choice. A celebratory beating. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Uh... (laughs) I like calling the shots, you know, on occasion. I like um, implying the the underlying, like, fan fiction of the show. We've got to keep this going so that they can write things yes. about it. Well, our... the fan fiction is that we have so much chemistry between us, we should actually fuck. But if we do is it... That, is that what people maybe say? Maybe we can do it, like, the final episode, we'll, like, finally give in. That's when we switch to OnlyFans. We have yes. a Sinister Sissies OnlyFans. Well, there's only so much content this show yeah. can, you know... We need a gay serial killer to really like wipe through like 2021 to give up. I shouldn't say this, but <laughs> please no. I'm not, I, I'm not like manifesting here. I mean, it could age terribly, but I'm willing to take the risk. Uh, so we're starting the season back up with something pretty awful, actually. <laughs> it's pretty awful and pretty recent. So like it's one of those ones where I need to be like, this is completely serious. But yeah. if I do in any way, like go into humor, it's just because it's actually very confronting. This and... isn't a this isn't a fun and games uh, episode. Although no. it's 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 strange. So the the person that we're covering today is Reynard Sanaga, who is arguably the most prolific rapist in the UK. I'm going to say beyond arguably. It's, it's speculated he could have done up to 190 people. So maybe maybe the proviso is uh, most prolific rapist that has been found. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm Ex- sh- accepted. You know. Uh, but it, I was a bit weird about it, uh, and preparing for the show, but it, it makes no sense because we've covered so many pe- people that have like literally raped and murdered children, but murdering them gives yeah. you distance. I suppose it's that the victims are still out there and could possibly yeah. listen to the show. So we're, yeah. we're going to have to be a little bit more, uh, sensible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's a bit of both, I guess. It's like, it's something that's a bit more, that could a bit more relatably happen to you, sexual assault. And also this is all from the last like, six years or so. So 
it's you know it's very recent history yeah so edgy humor is going to be kept to to a minimum call uh, me serious sam <laughs> Uh, Reynard Sanaga has, uh, to this date been convicted of 159 sex offenses, including 136 rapes of young men and various attempted rapes and sexual assaults. Although, and we'll see why as we go through this, it's believed that the true number is much higher, looking more in the 200s. Well, maybe even more from the amount of videos they found. I guess we'll get to that. But yeah. yeah. He liked to keep trophies, video, visual trophies, physical trophies. And the most shocking thing about this as well is that such high numbers and they believe it occurred within a very short period of time. Mm. So two and a half years. Yeah, only a couple of years. So, um, Which is kind of astounding. Well, even the fact that you can meet that many people because he would befriend the victims. He wasn't just like kidnapping people or anything like that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so in terms of, of how he went about it, some reports say that he was doing night after night, um, you know, uh, being predatory on, on these young men. Um, so relatively recent case um, you might have seen in the news. And so there's there's still some limited knowledge in terms of, well, a lot of, all of the victims have remained anonymous. So we don't get their full stories. Uh, and also in terms of Sanaga, that it's still limited in terms of his backstory. But we're gonna we're gonna talk about the things that we do know. So Sanaga was born on the 19th of February 1983 in Depok, Indonesia. He was one of four children, uh, and he came from a quite wealthy family. His father was very big in the palm oil industry. Uh, Sanaga studied architecture in Indonesia before moving to England in 2006 in order to first study urban planning at the University of Manchester. Um, he then did a master's degree in sociology and then a PhD in human geography. So he was a perpetual student, basically. Yes. Well, you know, a lot of wealthy kids seem to live this lifestyle, you know, let's just study and study and study some more. And I, I suspect maybe he was doing it uh, to maintain his student visa over time, probably. Interestingly, and again, this goes to this, this mindset of, of narcissism, Sanaga's PhD was on sexuality and everyday transnationalism amongst South Asian gay and bisexual men in Manchester. As, <laughs> as one of his friends put it, he did his doctorate on himself, basically. He also failed. Yes. <laughs> Sanaga, despite, you know, coming from Indonesia, which is not the most gay-friendly place in the world, was openly gay in the UK. He had lots of friends and appeared to be very sociable. He was he was given the nickname Posh Spice because he was very into the Spice Girls. Obviously his favourite was Victoria. Yeah, which is kind of the, the, the bitchy quasi-sociopath one, if you're going to pick one. Well, I mean, her face, her, her face gives that, like, I don't feel many emotions. Yeah, very vain um, is probably the best way of, of talking about Sanaga. Oh, Victoria, she's copying it. She, she didn't <laughs> ask <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Disclaimer, Victoria <laughs> Beckham um, was not related to this in any way. But he, he was known for being a bit of a vain guy. His roommates described that he used to spend all his time staring at himself in the mirror and fixing up his hair and things like that. However, the general impression was someone that was pretty kind and, and respectful those are the words that people would use in describing Sanaga. Sanaga also 
was a regular church attendee. He had a strong Christian faith. Mm. I and think it came from his family. His family yes, was very his fam- Catholic. his family were quite religious, but he would still attend church regularly. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was part of his lifestyle. I'm imagining he had some involvement in yeah the church local church community. Mm. Um, but you know, there was nothing Christian about him, was there? There was not. One thing that Tanago was was um, a, a very promiscuous guy. Which, you know, who are we to judge? His friends used to joke amongst themselves that he seemed to be very into hetero guides. He was described as often boasting about the fact that he could turn straight guys gay. And his friends didn't view that as as anything odd at the time. They frequently saw him take guys home and just assume that he was very successful with guys that you would classically view as straight yeah well his his friend said that it was like he felt like it was just more of an expression for like guys that weren't comfortable with their sexuality but were masculine presenting yeah yeah there are guys that are like gay guys that have this obsession with straight men in ways that i don't understand it anyway i can't get fixated on anyone that i know i can't potentially have so yeah I don't, i'm not into the whole like straight guy fantasy because it's kind of it's a bit pathetic to be like longing after someone that you can't have and it does have i think i mean not always but like there is a slight predatory vibe in that well i think in just the language that he used about yeah like thinking that he could like turn straight men and, and convert that, them and yeah, like well, I mean, that, that push whole, them yeah that whole fantasy in itself yeah that every straight boy has has his price kind of fantasy yeah yeah not not sure about that one um, but uh, I think that context is important as to why his friends, maybe like that was not a red flag for them, this idea that he kept talking about turning straight guys. Important also, um, Sanaga lived on Princess Street in Manchester, which was kind of the, the city centre and where all the nightclubs were. In particular, two nightclubs, uh, Factory and Fifth Avenue, which were um, quite bustling and often had uh, straight clientele. um, And it wasn't uncommon for guys to get very drunk there and then to get kicked out of those pubs, um, which is relevant going forward. One of these quote-unquote straight acting guys was, in fact, his ex-boyfriend who said that when Reynard met him that he thought that he was straight. And they they dated for around six months and he said that they never had any nothing sort of unusual happened in the bedroom. The only thing he reported was that sometimes Reynard would like to wake him up by initiating sex. I mean, the fact that he managed to quote unquote convert one guy probably made him feel very like beholden mm. um, to doing it in the future. The modus operandi, am I saying that right? I don't know. You're the lawyer. We don't (laughs) use that in actual... Okay. Um, It's believed Sanaga started offending in um, 2015. Um, His victims were all young men between the ages of 17 and 33. He had the same method in how he acquired his victims. Well, I think it's also worth noting that all the, I think with all of them identifying as straight. Yes. Yeah, yes. So he, yeah. So he exclusively went for straight identifying, hetero identifying men. And he would often meet them outside of nightclubs. There's some really creepy surveillance footage of him, like standing outside like a bar. Well, he would, or, he would at, at, after midnight, street. after midnight, he would just leave and then go outside of his address where the, the pubs were closing and just kind of scout out 
drunk guys who were leaving the pubs. And then somehow, I guess, you know, he's got a very... He looks like someone who'd be completely harmless. You know, he's got a frame, basically just the same frame as me. Like, you wouldn't assume any violent tendencies, or you would think that if he did get violent, you'd be able to push him off pretty easy. Well, he's very quite nerdy looking and frail and exactly like Sam. Uh, And yeah. And I think that that, that maybe meant that that guys would trust him. There were, there were different explanations as to why people um, went up some, their phone was dead and he would note that people were trying to use their phone. You'd say, Oh, if your phone needs charging, you can charge it back at my place. Um, some were kicked out of pubs and he said, or oh, you can keep drinking back at my place. I think it's important to note that like all of these victims were usually very inebriated yeah. at the time. Um, uh, his friend said that, that not only was he after straight guys, but he said he was very after very drunk straight guys. His former roommate noticed that he would bring a lot of really drunk guys home, but he thought that might be a confidence thing. Like, because he like maybe wasn't confident with his looks or appearance because he was so fixated on his appearance. His roommate thought that maybe he just found it easier to get people who are very intoxicated because yeah. he didn't have very good self-esteem, essentially. But it, it seems more like now that he was picking those people because they were easy victims. Well, he was like he was good at what he did. I mean, he was scoping, scoping these people out in quite... Even just noticing people whose phones appear to be flat, who are like pushing it in like a dark phone screen. You know, he's like, okay... There's one. He, he knew how to get people in his line of sight very... And to identify them as quickly as yeah. possible. Um, so many of the victims, for various reasons um, that we'll talk about, uh, can't recall exactly what their conversation was with Sanaga that it got them to go upstairs. Some of them um, did say that, yeah, he said, I can charge your phone or we should come up and have a quick chat. I have some drinks. And that coerced them um, upstairs. Once they're in his apartment, Sanaga had the same MO. He would give them a drink, which the police can't prove, but they highly suspect was laced with high doses of GHB. Well, allegedly in the videos of the victims, they're all snoring or like, us- mm. they're usually like quite obviously like out cold type thing. So you would yeah. assume that there's a drug involved because... If someone's passed out from drinking, they'll probably still respond a little bit more than like snoring while you're penetrating them. And GHB is is kind of quite quickly cleared from the body, so it's not it's not one of those things you could test for. Um, and because these guys were impacted by GHB, many of them had absolutely no memory of what was about to happen. So when the victims were unconscious, Sanaga would would rape them. He would do so without a condom, which I think is an important element to put in there. He would also film his offending on his phone. The videos show men who are either unconscious or semi-conscious. And in some of the videos, the men are actually vomiting as Sanaga is raping them. The next day, the men would wake up confused. Often they were still sick and they were still vomiting and they would have no memory as to what had happened. Tanaga would usually trot out the line that he found them passed out or incredibly drunk on the street and he was a good Samaritan who, who took them in. Mm. Which, to be able to... It, it, this was obviously a very convincing lie as well. Like, people were very convinced, which just goes to the kind of sociopathic yeah. way of, of him going about these things. Well, he was obviously able to get genuinely, genuinely convey this sense of ease and his to his victims mm. like you know i'm like you know i'm a yeah i'm a good samaritan essentially and i guess because he doesn't look like somebody who would you would typically associate with committing things like this yeah 
you know, it probably, yeah, worked to his favour. It's the fact that these uh, uh, men and straight men is a relevant factor. Um, I've seen in some of the commentary here, people talked about the fact of, like, if a woman woke up in a guy's apartment and the guy convincedly said that he mm. took her in as a good Samaritan, she would be like, bullshit. I feel like it'd be the same, like, side of the coin if like, it was... Like, if I woke up in some random guy's guy. house as yeah. a gay man, I'd probably be like, something probably happened. But I guess because it's not... It's just not on their radar, I suppose. It's typically, heterosexual men aren't looking at, out for themselves to not be assaulted by other men in this way. So Yeah, and they just wouldn't have expected something like that to have happened. I think that some of them noted... So, um, Tsunaga would take um, possessions from the guys to have as, as essentially trophies. So, he would take phones, watches, wallets... IDs. IDs, yeah, their licenses, which is really fucked... He, so we would do that. So some of the guys did say that they had some mild suspicions that he, that he drug them to rob them, but didn't want to pursue it further. But yeah. just none of them were thinking kind of sexual assault or rape. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, a lot of the victims only found out that they were raped once like the trial started and they, yeah. or, you know, once the investigation started, I should say, and they were contacted that they were, yeah. They've been found on video being raped. Yeah, so the the police would find either an ID or something of them and say, look, something happened, and they would show these guys video of themselves being raped, and they had no idea. Like, you can imagine how, like, devastatingly awful that is. Yeah, well, I was reading one guy who said, yeah, it's just destroyed his life, and it... How do you come to terms with something that you don't, you know that you've been told happened to you, you've been shown the video, but you have no memory of happening to you? It would just be, yeah, yeah. It would be. I think I feel like it would be very hard to process that. Yeah, it, it wouldn't. You... It would just wouldn't feel. It's like you know it's happened, but you don't remember. I don't know. It would be a very unique sort of trauma. I feel. Mm. And you add in the kind of the the factor of kind of straight masculinity yeah. and the sides to that which i think would make things difficult so you know you don't know whether there are um some of the men that do recall some of what has happened but then also that shame yeah side of things is is kind of keeping them back as well yeah well i think i remember reading that one of the men asked one of the men showed up at his house again mm. the next day or soon after uh, and asked his roommate does a chinese looking guy live here i think that something i might have been assaulted mm. so you know but it didn't seem to go like much further than that so you know it's obviously some people really had vague recollections and it was probably all very confusing and like we said probably not something that was kind of on their radars mm. like as you know as a woman i imagine that every time you go out and you're you know it gets to a certain time of night you're sort of on alert but i guess as men we don't feel that same no. sort of sense of danger and these guys were incredibly drunk, which is why Sanaga targeted them. Yeah. So there's always got to be a, a thing in your head like, oh, no, maybe I just was incredibly drunk and that's why I feel so awful and that's why I can't remember it. Well, some people might have even thought that it was consensual and they're embarrassed by the fact that they might have, you know, slept with a man and been like, what the, you know, like... Yeah. 
Look, I think there's a lot of layers here. Sonaga seemed complete, completely um, without remorse for what he did. He would boast about his victims within on WhatsApp and Messenger with his friends. He would send photos of victims and say he was straight in 2014, 2015. This is his breakthrough into the gay world. Ha, ha, ha. And that, that particular message was actually noted as one of the first sort of signs that yeah, things weren't quite right with him. Like, I think when his friends were reflecting, one of them cited that text message as being like, that was the first time I was a bit like, oh. Being very proud about converting him over, yeah. Well, it was just, I think it was just the first thing that kind of raised an eyebrow. Yeah. So he and he would frequently send photos. Um, so um, in another WhatsApp message, he said, you can get in a lot of straight boys, darling, um, to one of his friends and sent a picture of a 21-year-old that he'd raped. There's the kind of pride in what he was doing. He viewed these men as conquests, and once he had them and filmed them, he was very proud of himself. And he still... We'll get into, obviously... The trial. The trial, etc. Yeah. soon. But well, the yeah, trials. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, well, there had to be four. Mm. But it seems like that kind of sense of pride and achievement... Um, yeah. He's, he's, he's still feeling it. it. And completely unrepentant. It, it's... You know, not seeming like he was or is feeling a lot of remorse about what happened. Some of his victims, Sanaga continued um, speaking to in some capacity. So there was a 19-year-old who got very drunk when he was had a night out with his mum. Sanaga uh, approached him, invited him up, and raped him. The next day, the victim was confused. Sanaga, again, claimed to be a good Samaritan who'd seen him passed out he gave him clothes and then Sanaga tried to initiate some sort of sexual contact and the guy said no no I've got a girlfriend um, but they kept texting each other which I thought was weird this guy actually felt really grateful well I, but I think it's just a testament to like the power of sociopathy he was obviously able to cast this spell on people yeah that even though the situation itself was just really bizarre like you know even just saying it out loud that you like woke up wake up not knowing what's happened the night before with someone and then you get on the beers with them again yeah and these guys were very like, um, we'll get to a, a shitty thing that happened with the police in a moment. These guys were very nice. Like this 19 year old, he'd woke up in a strange place and this guy had hit on him and he was like, no, I've got a girlfriend. It's fine. But we're still really lovely and wanted to thank this guy. I think when I read some of the news reports of this, there were some really shitty comments that I know we're not supposed to read the comments, the really shitty comments that were quite victim blaming that seemed to assume that these were straight men who regretted hooking up with him or something like that. And I think that that's very unfair. Well, it just seems like the ones that woke up and still want to, you know, are willing to hang out with him or remain in contact genuinely just thought he had helped them. And, you and know, they wanted to thank him. Yeah, Even so nice... when he was being sleazy, they wanted to thank him. Yeah. If, if I was in their position, I don't see why I would have an issue with him. In fact, I'd probably think, Oh, I've made a new friend. Like yeah. someone who like helped me out and I was drunk and, let me sleep because he, he had a he had a little makeshift sort of mattress thing on the ground that he would I don't know if it was quite a mattress but it was like these disheveled sort of sheets yeah, and yeah. I guess he would tell the boys that's where they'd slept or that's where he'd commit the acts I don't know but yeah yeah there's like a there's like a crime scene photo from his room and there's this sort of makeshift sort of like sheet situation on the ground he uh, reminds me a bit of Dennis Nielsen um, and the the kid who was had a medical condition. Remember that kid? He was outside his apartment. He couldn't walk. And Des helped him get to hospital. And then to thank him, he came back 
for drinks. That's right. Yeah, and and Dennis Nielsen ended up killing him, even though he, he just wanted to, to thank him for his help. It's interesting in this case, because Sanaga hasn't murdered anyone that we know of, but there are just so many correlations between his behaviour and a lot of the other people that we've covered in the last year. Well, I think he didn't need to. I mean, if you think of it, a Dharma or a Dennis Nielsen or a Bruce MacArthur or whatever, they, after the rape, would kill them to cover it up. But Sanaga seems to have had oh. this method where he had gotten away with it and maybe that's why it didn't escalate into murder. Yeah, well, I mean, when he did get caught is due to the fact that someone confronts him and they ends up in a fist fight. So Yeah, so we're, we're on to that. So, so he eventually got caught um, and his final victim was an 18-year-old man. We don't know any names here because everyone's anonymous. Um, he preyed on him after midnight on the 2nd of June, 2017. The victim left the factory nightclub. He'd um, been separated um, from his friends and Sanaga gave him a, an offer of coming back so that he could contact his friends from his apartment. He was given a drink and he was knocked out. He woke up though several uh, hours later, I believe whilst being penetrated by Sanaga. He fought back um, and Sanaga viciously fought back again. He, he bit him and the, the guy ended up fleeing and, and calling the police. Rather shockingly, the police uh, sided with Sanaga and um, arrested the teenager for assault. I think Sanaga was really badly injured. He was suspected of having bleeding to the brain. So I yeah. think they were like, here's the victim. Yeah. And I mean, I guess at the first glance, that's what it would appear to be. But yes, things aren't always what they first seem, are they? And I think Sanaga almost would have gotten away with this. It was just that when he was in the hospital, he really wanted his phone. The police went and got his phone. And to make sure that it was his phone and not the other guy who'd be, who had attacked him, they asked him, oh, what's your pin for your phone? And Sanaga kept refusing. And then he kept saying fake numbers, which wouldn't work on the phone. And so the police were like, oh, I just wanted to confirm that it's your phone. And Sanaga ended up snatching the phone from the police officer. And the police officer said, actually, we're going to take that and have a look yeah. at what's on that phone. Um, yeah, well, apparently they started to become suspicious due to his behavior. Yeah. And then his victim was found with another one of his phones. Like the 18-year-old boy apparently had one of Sanaga's oh, other phones. Oh, I didn't phones. know that. I, didn't I know don't that. know why he took it, how he got it, but... You know, they hit the jackpot there. Yeah, it's because obviously once they started looking looking through these phones, they found, um, I think it ended up being 3.29 terabytes of photos and videos of various sexual assaults. One of the assaults lasted up to eight hours. Sanaga was arrested, obviously, after they found this, and it was a very lengthy investigation. Sanaga was obviously arrested once they found this footage, and it was a lengthy investigation to identify um, the different victims. Um, I had that there were three separate trials, but did you have four? Is there, Were there four trials? I read there were four. Um, no, there, there might be because it's still ongoing. So, yeah. so what the investigators basically had to do is they had to look at the various trophies that Sanaga had. And if they were IDs, for example, that was an easy way to identify the victim. Um, and then once they have the, the victim into the police station, they would see if they're on the video footage. But some of the other ones were a bit more obscure, you know, a wallet that didn't have ID in it or a phone or things like that took longer and there were some victims that Sanaga didn't take a trophy of. 
And so over time, um, there's an entire task force essentially set up to investigate these crimes. And they've had to do three, possibly four trials to ensure that, the, that each of the victims is accounted for and they seek justice. Ultimately, the latest sentencing that we have is that Sanagra is sentenced to life imprisonment for a minimum of 30 years. Um, and I know that last December they have a new batch of victims that they want to charge him and take him to trial for. When he's been present at the trials and they've, he's been shown the footage, he hasn't exactly seemed ashamed of it. Mm. It was reported that he was cheerful. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's, he's definitely proud of his, uh, well, his conquest. His defense strategy, because he pled not, he pleads, the reason that these are drawn out trials is that he pleads not guilty each time. Even though there is literal Video. evidence of him raping people sometimes for eight hours at a time. And the only defense that they can put forward is that they were faking being unconscious as part of a fantasy. That was the line, uh, line of argument that was being made. Completely ridiculous for various reasons. The video footage shows people kind of choking on their own vomit as they're being raped. That is not a simulation in any way. And the fact that there are hundreds of victims all saying that they did not consent to this in any way. He definitely did it. There's no, there's no defense available there. But with this new batch, there's probably going to be a new, new trial and a new yeah. series of, of, I guess, those sorts of arguments. Another unfortunate thing that's come from this whole situation is that it's given, you know, the Indonesian government in, I think, Depok, um, I think that's the area where he's actually from, um, Sanaga is from, uh, it's given them additional reasons to sort of crack down on the LGBT community. And this is definitely not a representative no, of the LGBT community. It was front page news, though, in Indonesia. He is the most prolific rapist that they have on record in the UK. It's definitely, like, deserving of being front page news. But um, it's certainly hindered um, kind of LGBT rights in Indonesia um, and fuels, I guess, the stereotypes about gay men being predatory against straight men. I mean, it fits that narrative perfectly. And of course, people are going to use it. Um, it's still criminalized. Homosexual sex is still criminalized throughout Indonesia. I believe there were new laws implemented to do with promoting homosexual lifestyle. Um, in certain regions in response to Sanaga. He refuses to cooperate with psychologists or probation officers or detectives. He still maintains his innocence and, you know, allegedly takes quite a bit of pleasure in witnessing the videos of his crimes. So hmm. I, I, I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I don't think it's going to be a positive one in Sanaga's favour. Uh, yes, um, he'll be in prison for the rest of his life, most likely, which is what where he deserves yeah. to be. Suzanne Goddard, one of the judges involved with his sentencing, said that it is almost beyond belief that someone who could profess some Christian faith at the same time could have been committing such wicked and evil crimes. Yeah. So, you know, she's Suzanne, Suzanne Goddard on the head there, and I may have misquoted her slightly, but... <laughs> truly, truly a sociopath. Um, and it's just surprising that he had, didn't kill anyone. That we know of. That we know of, yeah, exactly. He was He's very intelligent and calculating, so if he yeah. did kill someone, he's probably just covered it up. 
Thank you for listening to the Sinister Sissies podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Sinister Sissies. You can follow me on Twitter at Jared Bartle. That's Jared with a Y. You can follow us on Instagram at Sinister underscores Sissies. And please consider supporting our Patreon for extra content and episodes, including an after show thing that we're going to make up in about five minutes uh so if you're interested in listening to that please consider our patreon and until next time stay sinister hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.